0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: The horses are at the gate. And they're off!
2: Welcome to Winning Ponies, with a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy.
3: And thanks again for being with us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I hope you'll excuse me if the voice is a little gravelly uh, here in the Midwest. As you know, it's a tad cold outside, and I think somebody along the line caught a little bit of a cold. Uh, Today, we've got uh, two interesting guests. Uh, Dan Torgeman, uh, he's, a, he's a writer, handicapper, and he, he founded the horse racing website. Anonymous Racing, and then he joined the America's Best Racing as one of the brand ambassadors. He's covered a little place called New York. He's a guy that just loves to promote racing. He's got a super website. Uh, guy came. Uh, he's an orangeman. man. Uh, came out of Syracuse University, graduated with degrees in Communications and Rhetorical Studies and Broadcast Journalism. So anybody that wants to broadcast, you go to. S U, But uh, he's very strong in his uh, use of social media, so we'll be talking with Dan about his excitement of spreading the word of racing. And I want to make sure that you, again, check out his website, danonymousracing.com. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun, fun interview. And then we're also going to be handicapping. We're not just going to be talking about his commitment to racing. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, this week's big races, of course, the Holy Bull looks like it's going to be a really salty race, uh, obviously most people are talking about Cairo Prince, who won the Nashua and then put in a game effort against honor uh, code so Cairo Prince probably be the slight favorite in there but morning line of three to one and it really has some good competition in there we 'll be talking about that race with Dan and earlier on the card we 're going to have the grade two. Forward Gale, that one's a real hodgepodge. It'll be interesting to know who uh, Dan likes in that one. And then we'll go out to uh, to Santa Anita. We'll go in the seven furlong distance in the grade two Santa Monica. It's Teddy's Promises Swan Song, a horse that pretty much came from nowhere, $5,000 stud. It was the first horse owned and bred by Judy and Ted Nichols. They'll be missing Teddy's Promise, but with a win in the Santa Monica, Teddy's Promise could go out A millionaire, and she's got a date with Smart Strike when it's all over. And then Sam Houston, we're going to go to the richest thoroughbred race in Texas. 400,000 up for grabs. You may recall that Joyful Victory won this race last year, and man, she went on to become a good one. And seven of the eight horses in here are shipping in from different racetracks, and you've got some of the top trainers. I'll be talking to Dan about that. Uh, we'll also review the, hand, the races we handicapped with Rich Ng last week, and we did have some pretty good success. So uh, that's what we'll be talking about with Dan when we do some handicap. And then I, I came upon a very interesting uh, woman by the name of Susan Salk, uh, who, who has a very excellent website, and she brings together stories from around the country of uh, ex-thoroughbreds that uh, kind of came into the hands of uh, of the right people at the right time. Uh, many of them are perhaps on their way to slaughter, but a uh, very interesting website, and just fun to read about the success stories of so many of these horses, and recently she wrote a story about our friend uh, Michael Blown, uh who uh, has been on Winning Ponies many times and operates Old Friends. Well, uh, Drum roll, please. Uh, wise Dan, no surprise to me anyhow, voted 2013 Horse of the Year. I mean, he won six major stakes races in the U.S. and Canada last year, so he repeats as Horse of the Year. Uh, just a, what, what an honor, what a success. And really, the only race that, that, that he lost, he... he the odds were against them. I was there that day. The race was supposed to be on the grass. Instead, there was a humongous rainstorm at Keeneland. The race not only got taken off by uh, the officials there, but the distance was changed. So you got to throw that one out. Uh, you know, owned and bred by Morton Fink of uh, Northbrook, Illinois. Wise Dan finished first in the balloting with 208 votes. He was followed by Mucho Macho Man, who had 21 votes, and Will Take Charge, winner of the Travers and Pennsylvania Derby, had 15. So, pretty much, Horse of the Year, Wise Dan, it was one in a landslide. Let's take a look at some of the other, uh, uh, divisions uh, that were voted upon. And, uh, just so you know that the, uh, uh, the, Tallies below, they voted on by the NTRA, the Daily Racing Forum, and the National Turf Writers and Broadcasters. Well, as far as the two year old babies were concerned, shared belief got the top spot. It was a close one over New Year's Day, the Breeders' Cup winner, 115 to 99. Behind them, Havana, Honor Code, and Outstrip. Uh, As far as the two-year-old Philly was concerned, a lot of people were debating this because of the outcome of the Breeders' Cup. And even though Rhea Antonio won the Phillies Breeders' Cup, she's a tiger who finished on top before the bumping incident, got a slew of votes, 212 to 15, in the third spot with sweet reason. As far as the boys were concerned, very deservedly, and in a landslide, it was Will take charge, 231 votes. In second, the Derby winner, Orb. And in third, the Belmont winner, Palace Malice, uh, Golden sense and Verrazano each received a few votes themselves. As far as the three-year-old filly, I thought this one would be a little bit closer, but it came down to beholder Uh, with 207 votes, besting Princess of Silmar with 42. A lot of people thought Princess of Silmar was a lock and should have stayed home and not gone out to the uh, Breeders' Cup. As far as older male, well, look who's making a repeat performance. He's going to have plenty of eclipses on his mantle. Wise Dan got older male, 123, to Mucho Macho Man's 93 the game on, dude, and flat out where the runner's up an older male. As far as older female, no surprise here. She does it again. Royal Delta in a slam dunk over Dank and Tis Ms. Sue. As far as male sprinter, he's no longer sprinting with us, but points off the bench. He got it over Secret Circle and Sahara Sky, 125 to 70. And happy to see this one. And it was a pretty big stretch. Female sprinter, as you know, special place in our heart. We've had Buff Bradley on the show before. Groupie doll, what a great story she is, coming from that small farm down there in Frankfort, Kentucky. Groupie doll, 192 over Jim Rome's Misdirection with 45. As far as the male turf horse, Make it a trifecta. Wise Dan, a slam dunk over the Irish spread. Magician and Irish Bred obviously. So Wise Dan, horse of the year and winning in separate categories, just as he did last year. Now, the female turf horse, another slam dunk. That was Dank, the British spread, over his direction. <coughs> Steeplechase horses, quite frankly, I don't know enough about this. Got to get the Clancy brothers to tell us, but uh, Divine Fortune was the uh, top spot right there. So uh, the owners and breeders, no surprise, Ken and Sarah Ramsey just ran over everybody this year. The trainer, nobody was really sure about this, but it was Todd Pletcher uh, in, in a long one here over Dwayne Lucas and Jerry Hollendorfer. As far as the jockeys were concerned, a lot of people thought there would be sentiment voting for Gary Stevens, but Javier Castellano took the top spot in there by, by quite a bit. 134 to uh, 65. So uh, that was the, the jockey category. And as far as Apprentice Rider was concerned, it was Victor Carrasco, 172 over Edgar Zayas, who had only 18. So be looking for this guy down the road in the future. Well, Mucho Macho Man didn't uh, get the top spot in his division, but he did get NTR a moment of the year in the voting there. Remember, you were the ones that voted that. Uh, so he will take on the top spot as the moment of the year. Uh, owned by Reeves Racing Stable, went off at 4-1 to in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, Jackie Gary Stevens had his comeback, and, of course, uh, Kathy Ripo became the first female trainer to win North America's richest race. A great story there, her with her heart transplant. Uh, So uh, that, again, uh, the uh, moment of the year goes to mucho macho man. Uh, Before I let the show get away, I want to go back and look at some of the races that I handicapped with Rich Eng from the Las Vegas Review last week. Uh, at Aqueduct, it was an icy, cold inner track for the 144th running of the Jerome. And Noble Moon, the 4-5 favorite, did not disappoint, took over at the half-mile marker and dug in late. This is a son of Malibu Moon, of course, the same sire as Orb, who won the Kentucky Derby. So Noble Moon got it done. Uh, it was pretty much a three-horse photo for third. Finishing in between them, though, was Classic G. Rock and Roll came up in the second spot. Finishing third, who was closing very fast, I will say, was a uh, Son of Horse Greeley by the name of Scotland. Uh, then we went way down yonder to New Orleans for the LeCompte. This race did have implications as far as derby points were concerned. What an interesting horse. Vickers in trouble. Check out the connections on this horse. It's a Ramsey-owned, Mike Maker-trained. That's not a surprise, but the horse isn't by Kitten's Joy. The Ramseys bought this horse for $80,000. The horse, though, was bred by Kentucky Farm Spendthrift, who obviously has a division in Where? Louisiana. So the Ramses and Baker have a Louisiana bred, not by Kitten's Joint, who is on the Derby Trail. Uh, in the saddle was Rosie Dupravnik. Uh, she, this horse uh, had to be restrained down the backstretch, switched leads beautifully, and, and just drew off much the best under a hand ride. In the second spot was Albano. And third was the favorite, Gold Hawk, the regally bred Empire Maker out of Derby. Uh, Breeders' Cup winner caressing Gold Hawk finished third. But it's a long road to go, and this was only a ten point race as far as the uh the, the Derby is concerned. And uh then out, out at Santa Anita, the sham, more derby points, and the winner uh in there, Midnight Hawk, uh very impressive. Bob Baffert took the blinkers off. Mike Smith rode, and uh, don't forget that uh, Baffert's uh, already won the Derby with Silver Charm and Real Quiet and War Emblem. He knows how to get a horse there. Midnight Hawk, very impressive over the huge Cristo. Well, I think a horse that has has a lot of upside to him too. It was pretty much it scratched down to a to a four horse race and turned into a two horse race. Uh, those two took off about halfway through the race, and uh, they went down to the start of the lane together, and then Midnight Hawk took over. Uh, Mike Smith tapped him right hand, and he kind of moved into the rail. I think it was just green. though. I don't think there's anything wrong with the horse. I just think it was only his second start. He had broken his maiden impressively. So Midnight Hawk out of the Baffert barn is going to be one to watch. Well, we saw a uh, three-year-old race that did not have points, but as we know, these horses from the California Derby often all of a sudden ramp up for the Santa Anita races, and it was the California Derby at Golden Gate, and the winner going wire to wire was exit stage left, Hall of Fame trader Jerry Hollendorfer has his hands on another nice one. Russell Bays was in the saddle. He was challenged early on by a horse by the name of Harbaugh, And then all of a sudden, Enterprising, the favorite, came up and challenged him all the way through the lane, but couldn't get it done. Exit stage left over Enterprising in the third spot, Infosec. That was the California Derby and that pretty much wraps up the first segment of the show. Always we've got more to talk about, but, of course, with all the Horse of the Year implications and divisional championships, we had to make sure that you were updated on that. Well, uh, with that said, we're going to take a little bit of a break here, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to Susan Salk. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
1: ...is a beauty. There's a fly ball, deep right field! thought goes O'Neal! He's the... shot. got it! With 2.8 seconds he's left. To left! I don't care where they put him, this one is out
2: of here! From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports.
1: And they're off!
2: What? Can't make it to the track?
3: her name is Susan Salk, and I'm uh, going to be interested in learning more about her bio. But she started a blog about four years ago uh, after a volunteer with Cantor uh, New England. Of course, we've had Anna Ford on with Cantor of Ohio, and they're doing some great programs. Uh, as she pointed out in a recent article, uh, it was kind of a scary photo on the front of it. I didn't realize when I pulled the story up I'd be seeing me and Cat Launch. But uh, after I took got the shock back from that, I read the story, and, and it was a great one. So uh, Susan basically is uh, spreading the word about you know, horse care, uh and telling telling it in a great way and some great stories uh, that have come up uh, through a site called Off Track Thoroughbreds and uh you can go through there and, and and find out veterinary answers uh you can of course always support the site uh but if, if you scroll down and turn off uh, to to the to the right uh you'll see uh you'll see some great great stories uh, the, uh, what's going on with, with with horses in this day and age? And uh, so, with no further ado, I want to introduce you to Susan Salk. Susan, how are you?
4: I'm great, John. Uh, thank you very much for uh, for interviewing me and having me on your show.
3: I well, we'll see it. if you want to say that at the end.
4: Okay.
3: <laughs> Anyhow, uh, what I like to do is kind of you know paint a picture of, of our guest. Uh, how did you get bitten by the bug?
4: Um, well, I don't know if anything is all that atypical. I mean, I, I like uh, a lot of uh, young women, or I rode as a child, and uh, a couple few years ago, my husband suggested I, I take up horseback riding again, and so I did, and in that, uh, at the barn where I was riding, I was paired with a race-trained thoroughbred mare named Diana, um, her jockey club name was uh, Revenging Donnie. And so around that time, I, I began to get kind of mixed messages. You know, from the horse, I I, I found a wonderful animal who was uh, probably one of the best horses I'd ever been paired with. Uh, but from people at the barn who rode Warm Bloods and other breeds, I, I heard, you know, such negative things about ex-race horses, or in her case, a race-trained mare. Um, so I, I just became very interested at that point. In, um, and looking at, you know, x ray source thoroughbreds and, and their lives as, uh, riding horses, I guess.
3: Uh, well, tell me, how did you hone your skills in riding?
4: Okay, so I started off as a newspaper reporter. I went to Emerson College and I worked for about 15 years in the greater Boston area as a newspaper reporter at dailies and weeklies and, did that until I went to work for Northeastern University, uh, where I wrote, um, actually, I wrote something very similar. I wrote success stories about students at Northeastern, and uh, it was about around the time that uh, Eight Bells uh, died that I became interested in, uh, the you know, Sarabred, the welfare of thoroughbreds. And at that point, I got connected with Cantor. Uh, I volunteered for them for a short while, and I got this idea for you know for the blog shortly after so uh basically i just I wrote all the time in the newspaper business and for the university, and now i 'm kind of doing the same thing for the blog so.
3: well uh like i said uh the your most recent story that was uh just penned today or posted today. It's yeah. about old friends, and we've had Michael Blowing right. on the show many times. I'm a big supporter yeah. of his. Um, did you, by any chance, uh, know Michael when he was the uh, entertainment editor up there for the Boston No,
4: Blowin? I didn't. I mean, and I actually, I know his wife's name. Uh, that's much more familiar to me. But I did meet Michael a couple years ago. I was invited to a turf writer's meeting um, uh, at Suffolk Downs, and I did get to meet him in person. And he's so... He's so warm and caring, and um, his idea was just wonderful. The the old friends idea was just amazing, and I've done it. I think I've done uh, quite a few stories about him, and just the ongoing, you know, day to day of his farm. Just it's very inspiring.
3: Well, for for those that uh, read your story, and again, uh, we're we're talking with uh, Susan Salk. It's uh, http colon slash slash off track dot com. And the most recent an story is called there's Old there's Friends an Ushers an and New Horses. And uh, and you can correct me at the end if I get anything wrong, okay, Susan. Okay. Uh, yeah. but uh what I found was interesting, you know, Blowen's uh, he he thinks outside of the box is that uh, he, that he, he's hooking up with the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. So yeah. if he gets a horse that it looks like it's got a future ahead of it, rather than let it be a beautiful lawn ornament down there in Georgetown, Kentucky, he's uh, created a relationship uh, w- with Cantor where they can take those horses, uh, rehab them, and turn them into trail horses, show horses, uh, whatever it be. Uh, I didn't have any idea that was going on.
4: Right. Uh, it's, it's really it's really. A- an amazing collaboration that is kind of bubbling up uh, among, you know, organizations like Old Friends, Cantor. Uh, in the case of um, Old Friends, I believe he's working with New Vocations and with Rerun, um, who, and uh, so there's this collaboration between, you know, groups like Michael's, Groups that, um, are more geared toward retraining X-race horses for everything from highly competitive sport horse, uh, competitions to, you know, like you said, trail riding, et cetera. And people are really starting to, I think, come together, uh, coalesce around, uh, you know, a good next step for, uh, you know, for a race horse who, for whatever reason, isn't racing anymore. So it's, it's actually, it's, it's very exciting. It's, it's, and then you mentioned the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance, uh, which was recently created, and I think that they represent a real hope uh, for a lot of people. Um, what they're doing is they're um, a fundraising and funding charity that is helping to link current race owners uh, with accredited charities so that they encourage race owners to donate and contribute uh and then they um, donate some money to accredited charities like Michael Blowen at Old Friends and New Vocations and Rerun, et cetera. So it's really it's it's a very I think a very exciting way that that people from, you know, the race community, the uh the aftercare community are all kind of coalescing to work together.
3: Uh. Like I told people, if they if they go to your site, they can mm-hmm. they can find some uh, recent stories that that were written. And uh, I want to know, you know, that's the great thing about this game. There are some like, every horse. If you go back to the farm where it was foaled, or the track where it raced, or the people that were involved with it, uh, there, there, there's a story that runs through each one. But I found one yeah. that was really. Uh, I'm not sure how you found this or not, but it's called rescued racehorse goes to jack who loved him that was a super story
4: oh yeah yeah i i yeah i love that one i can't remember her her name um but i'll try to find that i'll pull it up while you're talking what happens is i i just you know you probably get your stories the same way um People contact me as, as word spreads, you know, through social media, through subscriptions, whatever. Um, more and more people contact me and want to tell me this, their story about, um, about their particular racehorse. And I have interviewed quite a few jockeys who have either, uh, you know, taken on an X racehorse. Actually, Rosie Naprovnik has an OTTB, um, who she rides for pleasure. And, um, I've talked to several jockeys who have. Who've taken in their uh, taken in either horses that they'd ridden in the past or had contact with.
3: And for the record, her name was Cassandra Buckley Newpock, mm-hmm. who uh, saw the Facebook notification and now she's reunited with the horse. It's just a, oh. it, it's just a, it's a really neat story. Uh, of, of other recent posts, are there any more favorites that uh, come to mind for you?
4: Um, yes, there's well many, <laughs> but um, there on the on the uh in terms of readership i guess i had my my biggest story uh was a story about a horse named press exclusive who was a mayor is a mayor, and she won um uh, i think close to 500,000 i don't have her stats right in front of me uh then she became a broodmare and she somehow uh wound up um heading for slaughter and she actually almost she was trampled en uh, route to uh to a slaughter facility in Canada and was picked up by a, uh, a woman who works in Ontario named Mindy Lovell and taken in rehabbed. And now she's got a sweet life. She's retired in New York. I'm forgetting the name of the, of the charity that took her in ultimately, but um, that's maybe the less fortunate side of things. But I, I loved that story because there was just, such a will and a determination uh, and an overcoming of of, of steep odds. Um, so I loved that one. Um, and then there's a horse named Donner whose jockey club name is Smart Gorky who came in fifth at Rolex last year. This is an off-track thoroughbred and competing among and against some of the world's top horses. Took fifth. Was,
3: that's, that's huge.
4: Um, there's been so many, but uh, those are a couple of my favorites, off the top of my head.
3: Well, I really enjoyed a talking to you and b mm-hmm. uh, going through uh, your website. And so I don't screw it up. Would you please tell the listeners of Winning Ponies again? We're talking with Susan Sock of of how they can get to the information we just talked about.
4: Right. So, um, so the uh, the website uh, the URL is OfftrackThoroughbreds dot com. Or I also have a redira- I also have off track horse. That's sometimes easier to remember, It brings them to off dot com. And uh, there's a Facebook page for it as well. And um, so that's it.
3: Well, that's it. And I just must say it was a marvelous interview. Uh, I awesome. appreciate you being on. You know, our, our listeners, our uh, horse betters, for the most part, but. Yep. Uh, you end up being a, a horse lover, and, and it's nice to know that there's people out you like you out there, uh, spreading the word on, on where some of these horses go after, and that that there there can be a happy a happy ending to their career. So uh, all I can say is that Susan Sock, uh, continue to to fight the good fight, oh, uh, continue to uh, write as you have the stories that you've done, and I, I wish you nothing but the best.
4: Thank you very much, uh, John. And, and can I just say I I think that there's just a very uh a growing awareness and growing good work is taking place within the racing community um, to look after their horses and it's just, it's very exciting to watch and thank absolutely. you absolutely what we've seen in the last 5 years is
3: amazing it. and a lot of it's due to due to people like you spreading the word i thank you very much and we appreciate you being on winning ponies thank you all right, well, uh, up next we're going to have a guy that is no longer anonymous. As a matter of fact, he's dan We'll be talking with Dan Torgman right after this break on Winning Ponies.
2: The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's
1: ass and I just just
2: think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth.
1: We ain't playing around here.
2: Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com. The home of the Easy Win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The job
5: of a professional athlete is never complete.
3: All right, and with me right now, a guy that I just kind of stumbled across on the Internet a couple months ago, and I started uh, catching up on his tweets, and uh, he he seemed like somebody that really embraces the game uh, on on many levels. Uh, obviously he's well educated because he went to, uh, Syracuse University and I'm guessing came out of the Newhouse School of Broadcast Journalism as, uh, about 75% of the guys you see on ESPN. I'm still not sure what rhetorical studies are, but I do know what a degree in communications is. And, uh, so that, that's, uh, Dan Torgman. And, uh, right now he's a part of a new wave, America's Best Racing, and he's one of the brand ambassadors. Uh, of course he, he's only got a small little section to cover, and that's called New York. And uh, uh, Dan, of course, again, I mentioned that, that he went to Syracuse. I grew up there. Of course, when I went there, I was watching Larry Zonka, Floyd Little, and Jimmy Brown, and of course, basketball players uh, or uh, Dolph Shays, Jim Bayheim, and the, the mayor of Detroit, Dave Bing. I got to guess you were watching a bunch of different guys when you went to uh, the SU, my friend Dan. How are you doing?
6: <laughs> I'm doing well. Thanks for that introduction. You covered a whole lot there. I appreciate the uh the plug for the orange and uh and America's Best Racing and uh you know just the whole uh you really you covered a wide spectrum there and, and rhetorical studies, uh by the way, is the art of persuasion. So uh I hopefully I've been able to convince people uh over the past uh year or so, uh that you know, the the website, uh my website's been up, the Twitter handle's been up, that uh I'm, uh, I'm a decent handicapper,
3: and um, I uh, appreciate you having me on tonight. Okay, well, good. I, I, anybody that's going to be in marketing and racing should ha- have to take rhetorical studies and they don't get the job. <laughs> I like that. Uh, well, Dan, tell me a little bit about what got you into racing. Certainly, uh, I certainly I doubt you were going to Finger Lakes uh, when you were up in the, the cold area of Syracuse. So where did you start going to the races, and how did it get in your blood?
6: You know, uh, again, like like a lot of people, I heard Susan was on before me. Said that she kind of took a conventional route. I think for handicappers, uh, you know, people who like to play the races at least, I took a pretty conventional route. Um, through my dad, um, he uh, grew up in Morocco, actually, and um, he was introduced to racing, uh, racing in France. And so, um, you know, uh, he when he moved to, to the states uh, in the in the early '80s. He found uh, the nearest apartment, uh, the apartment nearest uh, an OTV, uh, because he wanted uh, to have his horse racing, and uh, that sort of became a regular thing, um, you know, him going on Saturdays and bringing home some tickets, and we'd watch uh, races on TV, and, you know, and, and that was pretty much my introduction, and then, you know, we started going to the track, and, uh, you know, before I could even bet, it just seemed like a really, really uh, fun time. And uh, as time went on, I, I, I kind of I, I watched it, I, I my handicapping developed and uh it's it just it, the whole atmosphere of being at a racetrack. I I just uh, I started to realize that I didn't have many experiences that I could compare to that that high and to that, that that just, just overall just you know, you know, great thing, you know, if I'm gonna do anything, you know, it eventually became certainly I wanna spend a day at the track and so um you know, I've been fortunate enough uh, through the support of a lot of people, uh, you know, my dad, now, my wife now uh, more recently, uh, to be able to, to invest a lot of time uh, into the game. And, uh, I you know, I'm incredibly grateful for, um, you know, just the, the kind of reaction I've gotten on, on social media over the past year. We've just kind of built this really good community of horse players and, and horse fans, and um, it's just really intensified my love for the game even more.
3: Well, uh, your, your website is Denonymous, like D in front of AnonymousRacing.com. And I, I I love one of the things on your uh, title bar, if we can uh, call it that, is Why We Love This Game. And what you do there, I believe, is you actually bring in others to, to, to kind of do a little soul searching as to why they love the game.
6: Absolutely. I mean, I think it's so important. Uh, it, it really started with me doing, uh, me writing uh, the first entry, and and I, I think my first, uh, ref, me my first entry was about I think Black Eyed Susan Day in two thousand eight, um, and I just talked about your overall experience of being there. That I didn't win money. In fact, I I left an eight hundred dollar voucher in a machine, and and somebody stole it. <laughs> so all the you know all the usual track stories uh you know like you can walk away kind of hanging your head but then in reflection um all i really remember from that weekend was just how magical it was for so many reasons um namely uh, big brown winning uh the preakness uh the next day and um i i also included uh, a photograph of uh, a picture that i got an autograph from a bunch of jockeys and i just thought that was the coolest thing at the time and i still do i mean i'm i'm totally a geek for uh you know for, for for all those little things that kind of you know you know the jockeys are, are are stars and they're fun people and have a ton of respect for them and so yeah so all these little things i think started um kind of giving people ideas for some of the things that they can write about and i started soliciting ideas and stories from people mainly through social media and the stories that started coming in were just phenomenal and i mean they're they're betting stories uh you know winning uh winning tickets you know big hits everything from that to just, you know, simply falling in love with a horse. And, um, you know, they've been not only enjoyable for me to read, but I think they've really opened up a lot of people's eyes to some of the joys you can have at a racetrack. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, uh, you know it's not only these days, but, but for years, really, and, and uh, up until the point that we, we've gotten here where, you know, a lot of, you know, the stories that come out of tracks aren't always positive. And, you know, I've made a concerted effort to keep uh my website completely positive because you know there are plenty of outlets covering the negative and I think that, you know, if we only had more uh outlets that were covering the positive that more people might, you know, say, Hey, you know what? I'm I'm free on Sunday, why don't I head out to the track?
3: You got it. I've spent 30 years of my life doing just that, trying to bring about the positives because they love to give you a black eye if they can. Now, the new effort as far as America's best racing and the fact that you are a brand ambassador. Can you, uh, can you, can you put that in a nutshell for our listeners of, of what it is you're doing?
6: Sure, I'll try to, to keep it sort of brief. Um, yeah,
3: we've so only American got about best... 15 minutes left, so.
6: <laughs> okay, sure, yeah. So America's Best Racing um, is basically, it's a program put on by the Jockey Club to um, really expand the, the, the fan base of horse racing, mainly among younger people. And so we're here, we have ambassadors located throughout the country, two in New York, one in, in Florida, one in Chicago, and two in California. We're in our individual markets trying to coordinate efforts uh, between us and, and the tracks and, and, and to, bring people, to bring people to the racetrack, mainly young people. So we are just doing everything we can in terms of outreach to, to younger people, um, to young professionals, to people on social media, a lot of them, um, to, to bloggers, to get coverage for what's going on, uh, some of the good things that are going on at the racetrack. A lot of what we discussed, we're just looking for really um, you know, positive uh, positive coverage of what's going on at the track, and we're also really trying, you, you know, with, with all our strengths, to to get young people out to the track.
3: Now, are you a roving band of gypsies? Do you actually go from track to track, or do you do it simply <laughs> through social media?
6: Um, a couple of the returning ambassadors uh, were with the program last year and in it, and its initial year and its launch year, and last year they were roving. They were going from track to track on on, on each track's big race day. But this year, we're focusing um, more of our efforts in our individual markets, so that we can sort of develop relationships within our community, and we can, you know, reach out to, like, let's say, social groups or um, just different businesses in our areas, and try to coordinate, um, you know, events and and different things where where we sort, you know, we become recognizable in our communities, and people might feel a little more comfortable heading out to the track with us or hosting uh, an event that has a horse racing related theme to it.
3: Well, it it, it, it was a a genius effort on the part of the jockey club, and and I think it's great because... Nobody goes to the track by themselves the first time. You got to have a buddy that, that, that brings you there with you and kind of breaks it down. Cause then you got to admit it, it can be very daunting with all the information that's there as far as, uh, how do I figure this out? If you got somebody to hold your hand a little bit, it makes it a lot easier. And really, I think the bottom line is you got to get to live racing. Nobody gets turned on by going to an OTB parlor for that, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, getting there and Seeing it and smelling it and experiencing it and being near those beautiful animals and watch watching the jocks, uh, that's where it's at, and that's what we got to do is we got to get more people to get out there. And I don't care, you know, if if it's if it's River Downs or Belmont Park, uh, the uh, the fabric is the same and the experience is the same. And so, Mm -hmm. what I've done throughout my career is to all my listeners is be an ambassador. Bring a friend. Bring somebody that hasn't done it. I don't know how many times I've run into somebody that lives within two miles of the track and they go, you know, I got to get down there one of these days. And I'm like, what? You've never been down there? No, I just never got around to going. So, I mean, we need more people to take their hand and to get them down there and, and, and to get that physical experience because the great thing about our game is while it's gambling, it's, it's, it's a social atmosphere that you're in. You're not st- staring at a one armed bandit. You're there with your friends. You're having fun. You, you can pool bets together. I mean, that's the way to go. And, and for, for people, you know, I, I believe you're about 31 years old. You know, that's what we got to get. A lot of you guys got a bit of disposable income. Maybe the kids are growing up a little bit more. uh, And at at the nicer tracks, you can bring the kids with you. You know, I think that's the way that we got to keep this game alive.
6: Amen, brother. Keep preaching. Keep preaching. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I've been
3: at this pulpit a long time, Dan.
6: (laughs) You're doing a great job, man. And 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 that's what it's all about. You know, I I, I think you can on so many so many key points, but yeah, no matter where it is. Um, today, I spent the day at Aqueduct, and there were just so many cool moments. Uh, just pictures I took on my phone, and, and honestly, right after um, this interview wraps up and, and this segment wraps up, I'm going to get back on my uh, back on my pictures, and I'm going to put them on Instagram and just show people how much fun I had today at aqueduct because you know whenever you hear of aqueduct i don't think a lot of people think of fun even race fans and i just want to show them how much fun i had and you know hopefully they'll show that to someone sitting next to them who's never been to aqueduct and that person might want to go
3: well you you are dead on well look, i'm saying that by my producers telling me i got two minutes before break but i'll tell you what we've got four races to get our teeth into so uh if, if my producer is even awake and listening, I'm going to tell him we're going to take our break now to try to get us a little more time, because we've got a couple interesting races to look at, and I, and I want to hone in on your handicapping skills and see if you're as good as everybody says you are. So we're going to take a, <laughs> a quick little break. We're talking with Dan Torgman and you're listening to Winning Ponies.
1: Left to left. I don't care where they put him, is out
2: of here. From high school to the pros, we, <laughs> we, cover everything. we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com.
1: It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time.
2: Your internet flagship station for sports.
1: Voice America Sports.
3: And with me is Dan Torgman. I've been told that this guy uh, knows how to handicap a racer, too. Uh, he's, he's got a, a, a great site, uh, danonymousracing.com. Get your pencils out. Remember that all these shows are on podcasts, so if you got a buddy that missed it, tell him to tune in tomorrow so he can get all this information again. But... Uh, one of the most exciting races uh, that I see this weekend is the grade two holy bull uh, this race is stacked and packed with talent uh, we talked about a couple horses off the air uh, while, while they're lightly raced they've competed against each other in some of the best early races of the year so Dan uh, the, the stage is yours they say that Cairo Prince is kind of the headliner but even the odds maker it, uh, made him three to one that tells me that he feels this is a pretty wide open field.
6: Yeah, you know, and I'm guessing you know you might see three to one in the morning line. I'm guessing you're looking at something probably closer to two to one, or maybe even less than that. Um, look, the horse is impressive. I, I mean, has made a move um, in consecutive races, which is kind of eye opening. And you say, you know, like, well, this horse looks good. Mile and an eighth last down. And the Remsen cuts back slightly here after kinda of, I'm not sure if this horse is tiring late or or if he, he just kind of doesn't like running on the lead because even if you watch the previous race opened up a pretty big lead at Nashua and then you know allowed uh, one of the horses we were talking about during break financial mogul to kind of uh, close a couple of lengths on them late so I'm not sure if this horse is getting tired or if he's just simply you know one of these horses who likes to run in company but um, that for me would be the red flag with betting Cairo Prince, other than the fact that you're getting really short odds on him. And so I think in this race in particular, I think you're going to want to look for um, a, a horse who's kind of in the mix, uh, who can you know based on uh, based on past performances at least, and, and what you're expecting. Um, and of course, it's always tough to predict with the progression from from uh, a horse's two year old campaign to the beginning of the three year old campaign and what has changed over two or three months. But there are a couple in here who look pretty interesting. At prices, and, and I think one of the price price plays for me would be Wicked Strong. You, you're looking at eight to one in the morning line. You're getting Castellano up for the first time. Um, really, out of all the horses and the renting, he seemed to, you know, have the most run late. Um, I, you know, of course, uh, Cairo Prince's move was very strong, but when when I say late in the last hundred yards, I mean he was moving extremely well. So any improvement off of that effort, I think that's one you got to look out for. And um, another one that I've got my eye on is Mr. Speaker. Um, you know, I don't question Chug at all. <laughs> I, I think we know that um, he's done pretty well with three-year-olds in Florida this time of year. So um he's one switching over from the turf, uh, when the stakes race last out, uh, really pretty easily actually. Um, and what I like about Mr. On. Speaker,
3: too, is the fact that he's, he's shown different dimensions. Uh, he's shown the ability to go wire to wire at, at a mile and a sixteenth distance, and uh, that he's also shown the ability that the, he, he can be rated, uh, make a move down on the rail and get through. He blew him away in the Diana Beach, which which is a grade three. We don't have a whole lot of graded stakes winners in here. So, yeah, I think uh, we saw last year with Orb that uh, Shug knows what he's doing, and maybe after a little <laughs> taste of Derby fever, he wouldn't mind getting sick with it again.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the point you mentioned is, is literally I have some notes in front of me and that's the first note I took was, you know, this horse is adaptable, he's versatile, he's won from way off the pace, he's won on the lead and he's won, you know, rating, stalking just from just off the pace. And I think that'll benefit him, um, you know, it gives Latano, Jose Luciano, some options here because it is kind of tough but to, this is one of his rates a lot of times, you know, the pace uh, sort of the, the way the pace is going to unfold Kind of jumps out at you. With this one, there does appear to be a little bit of speed in it, but you can't really tell if it's going to be really fast up front. And so that will give Mr. Speaker and and uh, some options uh, in terms of you know, uh, you know staying close to the pace if indeed it, it is pretty slow up front. Well,
3: we can make a case for about four other horses in this field, but we've got three other races to handicap. Just briefly, if you would mention the name for our listeners that like to handicap and put horses underneath in the tribe. give me give me two others you like in here. In the in the holy
6: bowl. In,
3: in the holy bowl, yes.
6: Yeah, I'm looking at. I I I'm going to use myself. I'm going to use Wicked Strong on top. Um, you know, I'll, I'll do a couple of combinations where. And obviously, I'm going to play the multi, so I'm going to use Wicked Strong and a few others. But I, I, I like Wicked Strong as a straight win play set. Um, underneath, I've got Mr. Speaker, Cairo Prince, and Coup de Grasse. Um, I don't know. You know, Conquest Titan is, is, is one who's sort of way out there. Financial mogul is a possibility. An intense holiday only because Rosario uh, remounts. Um, Any sort of improvement, again, off the Remsen effort. We haven't seen the horse in, in two-plus months. I think that's one who, who, who might be, who might be in the mix. So, but I mean, I, I would, you know, I like Wicked Strong, Mr. Speaker, Caro Prince, Coudagra, and maybe a little bit of Conquest Titan and Kent Holiday underneath.
3: All right. Well, he put his feet in the fire. He gave us some horses. Dan Torgman from DenonymousRacing.com. Let's go to Gulfstream Park now. Uh, uh, earlier race on the card, it's the grade two forward gal. Came up a little short field, but it's a funky one. There's no stakes winners in here. The distance is seven furlongs, and not one of these three-year-old fillies has won at the distance. I'm, I'm scratching my head on this one.
6: Yeah, it, it, it's a tough one. I, I think the morning line save only for you like, it, it, is a bit of a, it, 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 to me at least stands out. Um, you know, she may not, um, she may not get there. But on paper, she's the one that, that jumps out to me. I, I think she can sit just off of resistivity, uh, who's got the rail. It comes out of a really nice, uh, made in special weight wire to wire win. Um, and, and I think only for you though, makes a move late and gets by. The, the thing I do like about resistivity, uh, is that in that last race, um, the conditions are pretty similar to this one on the rail. Uh, she, she did, she did face some pace pressure and she still drew away, and she gets a slight cutback here. So that's why I kind of like that one a little bit. And if you're looking for a bit of a price, one that I came up with was stately descent. Um, you know, this horse might be a little bit of a sleeper. Um, if you toss the turf tries, she, though, she really put up some really nice efforts on the dirt. She was right there after dueling through some really fast middle splits, uh, last out, and she just kind of gave up or yielded late. Uh, at a mile, again, she's also cutting back a bit, and so maybe at seven furlongs, maybe she finds you know just just the right uh, you know the right the right distance for her, and, and she and she and she actually hangs on. I really like the way she looked. Um, I guess right right at about the seven furlongs point of the last race. So uh, if she comes back to that effort, I think she's right there late. All
3: right, we're talking with Dan Torgman and now we got to move along. We only got about uh, three minutes left. We're going to throw uh, out on the west coast the Grade Two Santa Monica. Great storyline here with Teddy's Promise, the first horse ever owned and bred by Ted and Judy Nichols. Uh, should uh, the six-year-old mare win this race, she'll become a millionaire, and then she's off to the breeding shed to Smart Strike. She looks pretty strong here to me,
6: Dan. She does. Um, I'm going to uh, just I, while I love the storyline, and and while I certainly wouldn't mind seeing her win, um, from a vetting perspective, I'm gonna uh, of course I'm gonna play again because I don't think there'll be much money there. Um, the a horse that, that I'm gonna give a shot to is uh, Scherzinger. Um, doesn't really have the class of some of these. It's coming out of a sixty-two thousand dollar optional claimer. But really, really looks great in that race. And in that race, you had Social Bug, who's also entered in this one, who um, has got a ton of speed. I'm just worried that Teddy's Promise is, is going to be a little too close to that and that Social Bug is going to go way, way too fast. And I see Scherzinger sitting off of them and making a move late. Mike Smith always uh rears his head in, in in these situations in these kinds of races. So I'm just kind of I guess I'm uh I'm playing uh, I'm hedging my bets against Mike Smith more than anything. But no in all honesty you're getting Hollendorf or Smith, you're gonna get a decent price. I would probably see somewhere in, in the in, in it's four to one morning line. You're probably looking at somewhere around there. Um and, and I think the race sets up you also have a horse on the outside winding way he's got some speed. I think you've got potentially three horses that are you know up at the pace, pretty fast pace. And uh I think it's it up for a horse like
3: Scherzinger. All right. Well, Dan, I've uh, only got about a minute left. We're going to go to the richest race for Thoroughbreds Run in Texas, the $400,000 Houston Ladies Classic. This is your proverbial can of worms. Seven of the eight horses are shipping in from different tracks. Good luck at picking one here, my friend. I'm interested <laughs> in knowing who you like.
6: Yeah, this is, I, I'm i gonna, you know, blame you for, for having me handicapped <laughs> Sam Houston for the first time in a long time, but I, uh, I actually really like the way this race uh, sets up for Awesome Flower, another race that's got a bit of speed in it. And, um, I think, uh, you got Rosie coming in for Maker. I think, you know, we, we, we know plenty about that connection. And, uh, I got a little bit of class too. I, I like Awesome Flower from Off the pace. I, I think, I, I think the horse actually wins pretty easily here um that's probably this is probably one of the reasons that i'm most confident in the day like awesome flower and i got rose to gold that's included an unusual way underneath
3: all right well listen thanks for winding it up as well as you did because i can see that they're ringing the uh, red light at me and telling me i've got to get out of here (laughs) but dan it's been an absolute pleasure i hope you can join us back here on winning ponies at a later date because it sounds like you've got plenty to tell
6: Anytime, anytime. I mean, I had a blast. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, good luck to everyone playing.
3: All right. Well, okay. Again, that's uh, Dan Torgman from com. Go to his site. Go to Susan Salk's site. I think you're going to enjoy them both, and I sure hope you enjoyed this edition of Winning Ponies. Thanks for bearing with me through my sore throat, and I hope that you'll be listening to us again this time next week. Remember, when you go to the races,